What's up, Painless Flipping Podcast listeners? Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something special for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of joining an amazing podcast, and I wanted to share that conversation with you all. It's a fantastic discussion you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into that crossover episode and hear what we had to say. Enjoy. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands, people that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Nathan Payne, jiu-jitsu lover. He's been training for a couple of years. He came from a wrestling background. He and I connected. He was wearing an MMA shirt. We just started the talk. And, of course, I always love talking to people that have a background in some sort of combat sports or martial arts that transitioned over to real estate or business. He checks all those boxes. So he talks a lot about his bit is finding people the first deal. So if you're listening to this, one of the key points here for beginners, this is a fantastic episode for you guys to listen to as far as wholesaling, getting your first deal with little or no money out of pocket, doing some some joint ventures where you don't have to pay for marketing, how to join venture even not only for deals, but for buyers, how to find your cash buyers, some ways to get paid, how to put the transactions together, how to get around the realtor, how to work with the realtor, how to create relationships. So this is a really good one-on-one, one-on-one for kind of going back and getting the notes and bolts on wholesaling. And then we talk a lot for everybody else about some of the disciplines he's learned and some of the lessons that he's taken from on the mats, from wrestling and jujitsu to off the mats into business and life. Some of the struggles, why the first deal is the hardest deal, how to get there, how to scale up, what his team looks like, what he does on a day to day, where he goes to find deals, where he goes to find buyers, all kinds of different stuff. So fantastic episode. Great dude, Nathan Payne, definitely check all the show notes to check him out. And while you were checking out those show notes, remember, Go to nicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, to see all the ways to subscribe and connect with this podcast. The way we keep getting these phenomenal guests on for free, the only tuition to the show, if you will, is to please subscribe. nicknick.com slash links, all the places that you can go to get any of your other podcasts. You're going to see it on there. Subscribe to our YouTube page. You'll see it on there. And follow us on social media if I'm not popping up on your feed. NickNick.com slash links on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, on YouTube, any of those places. Connect with me. Shoot me a message. Like some of my stuff. I like some of your stuff. We'll start popping up on each other's feeds. And the way that the guests know that you enjoy their their content is to like it, to share it, to do a little fist bump, to tag a friend, to ask a question. So please continue to do that. I appreciate it. But the big thing is I want to do real estate together. If you were looking to do your first deal or your next deal and you're trying to find a way that we can partner together, whether you want to buy the properties from me, sell the properties to me, or partner on some level, just shoot me a text message that says real estate, 516-540-5733, 516-540-5733, or just shoot me the word real estate, DM me on any of the social media platforms, preferably Instagram is usually one I'm most active on, but my assistant will then know to send it to me if you put the words real estate in the beginning, and we will open up that conversation. If you would like a free checklist on all the ways to bring value to your buyers as a real estate wholesaler or broker, go to uh, nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets, bigger pockets. So Nathan Payne, great guy. Check out pain-free flipping, see the show notes, subscribe to the A-Game podcast, go do some jujitsu, go close some real estate deals. Have a fantastic day. A-Game podcast, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. 
All right, my guest today is an entrepreneur and coach as well as an MMA practitioner fighting out of Salt Lake City, Utah by way of Georgia, who went from door-to-door -door sales to the world of real estate investing and has since succeeded in many strategies from flips to rentals and, of course, his crown jewel wholesaling. He specializes in helping wholesalers and investors land more deals without endless calls and offers through his unique way of reverse wholesaling. He now helps beginner investors break into the game with his painless flipping method and his Investor Thrive company that provides actionable tips on mastering the art of wholesaling properties. Please welcome to the A-Game podcast, my fellow family mastermind and jujitsu brother, Mr. Nathan Payne. Dang, that was amazing, bro. I need that. I need that to play every time I, I get intro. That was sweet. Anytime, man. I got to I'll start an app. You can make it my ring. <laughs> yes, yes. I would love it. Cool, man. So, dude, so anybody that maybe is not 100% familiar with you, you can give me a 30,000-foot view of who you are and where you came from. Yeah, so my name's Nathan Payne. You did a great job. I, uh, I, I'll i start off. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I live in Utah right now. Um, got I went on a mission for my church for two years. Got into, you know, uh, I would say I, I got over my fear of people saying no to me. Uh, because I was talking to people about Jesus for two years and they were like, get out of here, bro. And I was like, okay. So I got that no a lot of times. So right after uh, my mission, I got into door to door sales and again, you know, get a lot of no's, but you just keep going. It's part of the game. And so I did that and um, yeah. And now I'm uh, doing real estate. That's, that's, that's awesome, about it. Man. So I like part of the, first off, when I show people ways to get deals and I show them door to door, mm -hmm. I always tell them, look, I've done every one of these except for that one. I go, but if you're somebody who's willing to go do door to door and have somebody slam that face in your door and you smile and you go right to the next one, you are going to be successful because that's that's really what it takes, man. Like if you're willing to smile and dial or smile, smile and door knock. So I would love to hear about that experience. How do you feel like that calloused you just for life, man? Because I don't know a tougher way to kind of break into sales than going door to door. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's actually kind of fun. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy knocking on every door, not knowing who I'm gonna get uh, to open the door. You don't know if they're gonna be happy, sad, old, big. It doesn't matter. You know, it's you don't know what you're gonna get. So it's kind of fun, and you smile at them even though they don't want to see you. You smile, and uh, you know, usually you see their faces or countenance countenances change. You know, so it's a it's fun. Uh, it's fun, but it, at the same time, it's hard work. So it's not so fun. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's how I got my first, uh, one of my first deals when I got into wholesaling, I didn't know what I was doing, had no experience in real estate, just started knocking doors and, uh, met this guy. He was like, uh, well, at first I was like, Hey, I'm in the neighborhood at the time. My pitch was I'm, I work for a real estate investor that's looking to buy houses in the neighborhood. Are you selling? Or do you know anyone that is, that was my pitch. And, uh, he was like, well, I think my grandma that owns this house is selling. And I was like, is she home? Can I talk to her? And he was like, she's not. But um, I was like, can I get her phone number? He's like, sure. So he gave me her phone number. I called her, set up an appointment. And then after five painstaking months, we finally got the deal done. It was, it took forever, but you know, that's just how, how I got one of my first deals door knocking. So that parlays into the next thing where most people, the first deal is always the hardest deal. And I think most people will quit. And when they think about real estate and they see a guy like you, they go, oh, well, you know, I want to go on, I want to wholesale a deal and make 30, 40, $50,000. I see people on Instagram, they get a deal on Monday, they dispo it on Wednesday and they show their check on Friday. And that that's not the reality. And, and oh, I don't know whether it's the, the human brain and nature of people just looking for the easy thing and, and giving up when things are hard. Or I don't know if 
lately I've been thinking more like we just saw Steve Trang and Steve Trang was talking all about expectation. And I feel like the world right now is putting out an unrealistic expectation of how long it takes to get your first deal and how much work it takes. And when they don't get that expectation, they move on to something else. So talk about what is it in you? Have you always been somebody that doesn't quit or doesn't get discouraged by negativity? Because I think most people would not wait five years. They would quit before that first deal happened. And I feel like that's the biggest difference between success and failure. It's a really good question. Uh, I'm, I'm totally okay with failure. I actually uh, think failure is, it's actually necessary to, to progress, right? So you, you, you can't um, win everything, right? That's why I like a fighting. That's why I like, uh, I don't really fight, right? Jiu-jitsu and um, I know you fight, but, but like when I wrestle or do jujitsu, I feel like a majority of the people are really nice and humble and kind because they know what it feels like to lose and to win. And that's kind of how I've approached my life. It's like, Hey, I'm not the kind of guy. It's going to be like, Hey, I know the answer to everything. Cause I don't, you know, I'm, I'm always losing. I'm always winning, you know? So I think, uh, having the expectation that people have, like you're, you're just going to hit it and crush it and things will never go wrong. That's, that's not the correct expectation. It's going to, it's going to suck sometimes. So that's very fair. And it, it brings back to where we met through a mastermind I heard Ross Hamilton, he was on my podcast, and he was saying the biggest thing he gets from going to masterminds like we go to is being around the people that achieve things that you thought were impossible and realizing that they're possible. So for you starting out there, did you have somebody that worked with you or went with you initially door to door that you were like, well, I'm seeing other people eventually get a yes that I know it's there. And that's why you kept going. Like, what, what's that process like? And how did that transition into you feeling comfortable with your first real estate deal? It's a good question. Yeah. So I, when I went to college, actually one of my roommates, he, his dad was wholesaling in uh, Missouri. So he would always, while I was doing door to door it, during college, uh, he was like staying back at school, not like traveling. Like I was to different States to sell. And, uh, he was doing deals like not, not tons, but he was doing it. So when I got into wholesaling, I, I partnered up with him. So I had that experience that it did work from him and his dad. So that was kind of like my beacon of light where I was like, I got, I got to, this obviously works. I just got to keep going. So that, that helped me. It wasn't like me on my own and just trying to believe that I could do it without knowing, or at least seeing some proof of concept. That's awesome. man. you know, I, I think that that, uh, I remember hearing, I think it was Iaquinta or one of the fighters at our gym, and they were talking about what the confidence was watching a guy like Weidman or Matt Serra win the championship. And it's just giving you the confidence of, well, I'm, I'm doing the right things. You know what I mean? Like just because right. sometimes you don't know how you stack up. You don't know those things. But when you see other people that are winning and you're watching them do that process and you realize like, oh, other like the guy that just got the most sales this year. He got the door slammed on his face 50 times. Like I'm on the right track. I'm only at 32, you know? So I feel like right. that just plays a big part where like you and I sort like there, it's an interesting time in the world because I think social media and I think things like groups and things like just putting stuff out there. I was thinking about it today that I was like, you know, I could probably at this point do a deal with some of the stuff I saw online, but it's only because I have such experience already that I can adjust some of these things, almost like jujitsu. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I can probably within reason pull off some of the stuff i see on tv on uh, or on youtube in the on the mat if i work with somebody else and we play with it a little bit but it's only because i have such a strong understanding and sensitivity from doing it for so long 
But I think starting out, it's very hard because you don't actually know what works. You have no idea. And I still do it, dude. Like I'll go, I'll go to take a private sometimes with my buddy, Mark Turner, shout out to Mark BJJ lab. And we'll go in. I'll be like, dude, I got this thing I want to work on. He's like, all right, show me. And I'll go on like, I'll do it. And he'd be like, dude, I'm going to slap you. Like, did you see that on like Instagram today? And I go, I did. He's like, that does not work. Don't bring that shit in my, I'm like, all right, you're so, I'm sorry. I got to go back to the basics and stuff. But right. so, so why is it you think, because you're working with a lot of beginners, I would love to see what are the things that are coming up that you're seeing them have is that their first deal is the hardest. Like why in your experience, are they making it harder on themselves? And why is the first deal the hardest one for most people? Uh, I think it's the, the hardest for them and it's, it translates to like everything, right? It's like you see something that works, so you want to try it. Right. And it's really the fundamentals that help you crush it. Um, and I think people are always trying to find different, better ways to do it than what the fundamentals are. And <laughs> I think that's the, the issue with people that are new at wholesaling, right? They're like the fundamentals is just talk, having a conversation, right? Just talking to people, talking to people that have a house for sale, but they want to find better, different ways. Um, that I teach people the fundamentals of like getting into real estate, like get finding a cash buyer first and knowing what they want to buy and then going to look. So you have a targeted, uh, reach of where to go versus let, let me try the whole United States where good luck. Right. Um, so I think it's looking for the easy way to get things done when sometimes it just requires hard work and you got to put your head down and do it. So I think trying, again, it's just distractions and trying to find a better way to do it when you probably should just get your fundamentals down. That It's really funny. I don't know what it is about human nature, but even on a, on similar, similar substance, but my dad was having some sleep issues mm -hmm. and we're going, I did, I took him to like five, six, seven different doctors and they were all like, Get dressed in actual pajamas. Don't go to bed in jeans and a hoodie and boots. Shut the lights off. Make it cool. Right. Close the door. Like all the things I tell him all the time. Every single doctor said the same thing, but he keeps like sending me clips of stuff he sees late night on TV of like, well, this infomercial just said if I take this pill or I snort this thing or I stick this thing up my nose or whatever. And I'm like, why are you looking for the thing that's like experimental right. when the thing that's been proven from doctors and the FDA, like, oh, but I don't know what it is. It's like, I don't want to do the thing that I know works. And I feel like part of that is people not having to commit to things, if that makes sense. Well, if you've read the book, this reminds me of this book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, right? Uh, that no, talks that's great though. So it's a great book. It's, it talks about setting goals. You have lead and lag measures. Your lag measure is like the goal you want to accomplish in the future. And the lead measures are the things you have to do to hit that goal. And they it talks about how the real thing that stops everybody is the whirlwind. The whirlwind of the tasks that are very easy to uh, do that actually like take up a lot of your time, but don't really get you anywhere. And I think people get sucked up in the whirlwind of life where they're like, look, it's really easy. Let me just build a website. Let me just uh, make, make a cool logo. Let me do all these things that give me instant gratification now versus the the calls that I make 10, 20 calls today and I didn't get it. I didn't get a deal. I got to do it over and over and over again. And there's really no instant gratification with those activities. Like it, it sometimes sucks, like door knocking sucks, but they translate to the end goal, but people get stuck in that whirlwind of the instant gratification. So I think, I think the answer is instant gratification. People don't want to do the hard work. They want to feel good now. Yeah, man. And I love that. I go back and forth sometimes where I see all these people getting into real estate and getting into wholesaling. And sometimes it feels like, like, oh my goodness, it's so saturated now. But then I look at the way that the the world has changed. I, I Kevin Harrington, he's kind of like a, a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how he invented the infomercial 
And he used to have three hours to gain people's attention. And his entire business has been turned on its head because he was like, we've done studies that now the attention span for what he calls the TikTok generation is 13 seconds. So as much as like so many people are coming in every day, I feel like wholesaling is almost like Las Vegas. People are like, dude, 10,000 people a month come in. It's like, yeah, but 12,000 a month leave. Like you, you don't even realize that there's that extraction period in there too because people right. – the the bar is low because people don't have the attention span anymore. Agreed. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, wholesaling, as much as they want to say it's instant, like it's quick and it's instant is not, it's not like that. Like potentially you can get lucky with a deal, but it's not, not that quick. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know that there's benefits to it. So let, let's, let's back that up a little bit. Let's for people who are listening and they're like, what the hell are these guys even talking about? What is wholesaling? Describe what is wholesaling? Yeah. So wholesaling, it's taking a contract that you have with a seller to purchase their home and it's assigning your rights to buy that property to someone else for a fee. It's called an assignment fee. So I, if, for example, I'm talking to you, you're willing to sell your house to me for cash for 200,000, but I know John and J Jody over here, they're willing to pay 210, 250. So then I can, instead of buy that house, I can assign it without even owning it to John or Jody and get assignment fee from whichever one I decide to assign my contract to. Then once they get the assignment, they are in, you know, in legal rights with that contract to buy it. So you've, you've assigned it to them. Now they can purchase it and you get paid. So you are the peanut butter and jelly between the bread. That's right. That's it. And, and look, the the concept is extremely easy. It's it's very simple, and I think that's why people are like, oh yeah, I can do this. The the implementation and the execution is what is requiring that does not you don't get instant gratification from that. So how do you find this? How do you find the buyer that will buy the deal? Well, sometimes you got to find the right relationships. You got to find out where they're buying. If you're in a specific area where they don't buy, then you're out of luck. You find a house, but no one wants to buy it from you. You just wasted however long it took you to find that person that will sign the contract. Then you got to find the deal. So a lot of it goes into it, but the idea is simple. I love that. So what would you say when somebody comes to you and they say, well, I want to rent, I want to flip, I want to Airbnb, I want to build, I want to do all these different things. And then you recommend wholesale. When they hear that, okay, it's not that quick. What are some of the things you would look at is what the benefits are for a new investor starting with wholesaling? Uh, I'd say very low risk. Because there's no capital in the sense like you're not buying the home. You don't need credit. You don't need money to buy the home. A lot of people worry about the earnest money. But really, like if you know how to do it, your buyer will bring the earnest money or you can just have a low earnest money. Earnest money is like in good faith. You put down money saying, hey, I'm going to buy your house. And then if you back out like the day before, the seller should be able to keep your money. But anyway, um, that's I say it's low risk. I say it's it can be quicker than the uh, flip. Like if you flip a house, you're going to buy it flip it, rehab it, put money into it, and then sell it. Usually it takes three to six months. Wholesale deal, if you find a seller, that the 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 turnaround can be, you know, when you get paid seven days, 30 days, however long it takes to um, you know, close the deal. So it is quicker than a flip, uh, a traditional flip. So it's quick, quicker, um, low risk, and uh it's a great way to get education in in real estate. Uh, to begin with. I think it's a great stepping stone. Um, and you don't have to just do single family. You can wholesale multifamily. You can do any asset class you want in real estate. It, you just have to know where to target. I love that, man. And even now, especially, I tell everybody wholesaling is another tool in your tool belt. It's always something because you're going to get deals across your desk that might not be a deal to you, but it might be a deal to somebody else. And instead of doing nothing with it, Agreed. wholesale it, make three, five, 10 grand or whatever it might be. And it, 
and now right now in a volatile market like if people are worried about risk and what's going on with the lenders like the easy shortcut around having to not worry about interest rates is don't get a loan for the deal just wholesale it to another cash buyer or somebody else is getting the loan so yeah, i think there's a lot of right now a lot of great great benefits to it as well agreed i think it's a great exit strategy i think if you base your whole model around wholesaling it can get pretty expensive as you grow it if you're just marketing 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 and all you do is wholesale i think you want to keep stuff as you grow you want to flip you want to uh maintain you want to hold but to start it's a it's a great strategy so that's that's a question i love to ask experienced investors you get a deal what's your buy box or criteria or elimination process for how you choose to take that down well, I guess it depends like if your business, like do you have cash? Like if you need cash, then you don't have the luxury to keep something, right? Because if you need the money, then you got to keep it, put it back in the business. Or if you want to keep a rental, but you know, one or two vacant months or three or and some repairs and you're in trouble. So it really depends where you're at, right? You don't want to get too many rentals and not have enough cash to maintain them if things don't go right. So that's, that's kind of what I would analyze first is like, do I have money to keep this if I want? Or do I need the money? Uh, and if you if you don't, then you would just basically decide who, where do I make the most money. Uh, you know, if I wholesale this, I can get 30k in 14 days. Or if I flip it, I'll get 60k in 60 days or what, like nine months, like three, six months. Depends on the rehab, right? But you just have to analyze the when you'll get your money, how much you'll make. Like a lot of times when during the pandemic, you could just wholesale everything. For us, we weren't even wholesaling. We were wholesaling. And that wholesaling is you take the property down, you list it on the MLS, you clean it up, and then um, you sell it to a traditional buyer instead of an investor. And that's, so you just look at where you're going to make the most. That's probably, I'd say that and sub two are my favorite strategies right now. Yeah. Wholesaling? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Sub two, wholesaling. I know innovations. I've done a couple of those. Those are cool. Uh, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of newer to it, but um, yeah, all that is great. The where you're gonna make the most money is if you can get it to a retail buyer. That's just yes, exactly, man. That that's the key. So when well, I think we had Corey Geary on, we had Eric Brewer on. I'm trying to learn more about innovations too. And then he just had Andrew Lucas on as part of our mastermind, and he has a whole thing he's doing with installment sales now that I think is pretty cool. So, man, one of the, I just I was having this conversation the other day because everybody there was there was a lot of positivity at Family Mastermind, but there was also some doom and gloom about like what's happening, regulations, wholesaling, getting your license, all this kind of stuff. But I love jumping on things like this because I tell everybody real estate investors are some of the most resilient people. And every time you hear about this isn't going to be around anymore, then you get somebody else on who's like, yes, but novations, but wholesale, but installments. Like there's always something right. with, like that you're coming around that you're going to be able to make money on. Oh, bro, so, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about yeah. wholesaling, getting outlawed or regulations on assignments because like a lot of the time I get when I'm working with my buyers, I'm really close with, I just have them cut me a check. I'm just like, just write me a check or leave me an, in we'll do it through an invoice. So at that point, there's no, there's no assignments. There's nothing like that, but you brought them the deal. They trust you. So they pay you out. I've done that several times. And then there's really no, like what, there's nothing they're paying you. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. Nothing you can regulate about that. So we, we have to find them, obviously. Then you got to analyze the deal and you got to find the buyer and then we, there's going to get paid. So if we broke those down. Let's talk about acquisitions right now. What are some of your favorite acquisition strategies for new investors to find deals? So what I teach new investors to find deals is I say, hey, look, 
there's paid marketing where you can pay, you know, you can do cold calling, you can do pay-per-click, you can do, there's so many, but what I tell people to start off with, so they don't just blow their money in the beginning, uh, not knowing how to market or how to do acquisitions. I say, start on the MLS, start JVing other wholesalers deals and start looking at platforms where there's deals and that meet your buyer's criteria and bring those deals to your buyer. That's, that's what I teach. I think it's the most efficient, fast and effective way to get started or just do it in general because there's no marketing costs. So a lot of it's building relationships. Um, and the reason why I'm a, like a proponent for that is when I first started uh, wholesaling, I, I was knocking doors, so that's free. But then I was like, well, let me pay, let me get into paid marketing. So I got a coach. They said the mail. So I spent, he said, spend $5,000 on mail. So I, I doubled down. I was like, hey, you said it works. I'm going to spend double. So I did 10K. And then because my market, which I didn't know, Salt Lake City is is a little, you get the the activity, the response rates are a lot lower on mail. And I spent all money. I got like maybe like 30 calls. Five of them were interested in selling, but I couldn't close any. So 10K of that money spent when I wasn't ready, I wish I could have back. Well, obviously I don't care if I have it back, but I'm just saying like, if someone would have said, hey, start with this strategy, learn how to have that conversation first, I would have liked that first before just you know, spending money and not getting a return. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Three ninety nine is always a great price for a deal, man. I'm, I'm on board with that as well. Right. So yeah. let's say now somebody goes, all right, I'm going to go on some groups. I'm going to do some wholesaling. What are the conversations like to say, okay, look, I'm another wholesaler. Obviously now your job would be that to then go find buyers to, or, or maybe vice versa. Maybe somebody's on there saying, I have a buyer. Like talk a little bit about what those conversations are and how you put deals together through those. Of course. Yeah. So I just did this conversation the other day in Orlando. I reached out to a, a very experienced wholesaler in Orlando. I said, Hey, look, I'm, I have a, I have some solid buyers that are looking for deals. I see that you have this deal. Do you mind if I bring my buyer and throw my fee on top? He said, yeah, who cares if, as long as you get me paid. Great. So I reached out to so a buyer that had purchased a property uh, by his. And I was like, Hey, will you take a look at this one? Now, by the time I got back, he was like, dude, I already sold it, which happens. But Hey, if I were quick enough, or if I had the relationship that was just, and that's what I'm, a lot of what I'm talking about is you got to get the right relationships where they can respond fast. Um, then, you know, that could have been my deal. I could have been able to, uh, get him the, what he is asking price was make five, 10, whatever K on top. But I feel like that's the fastest way because wholesalers, like I know if I called you and I was like, hey, bro, you're asking for 160. Do you care if I bring someone for 160 or 161 and add whatever else I can make on top? You wouldn't care. I wouldn't. I wouldn't care. So that's that's a uh, that's what I would recommend doing for people that are new. So let's say somebody has like, let's say I have a deal that I'm asking 150 on and I already kicked it out on like a, a bunch of the social sites or I got it on Craigslist. I got it on Facebook. 
how do you protect your investment by going back? And like, what if they're like, hey, I just saw it for 150. Why are you asking 160? That's a great question. So you're talking about like me, if I had a deal and then someone came to me and said, hey, uh, can I blast it out or something? And it, numbers are different. Yes. So what I, I don't teach uh, people to blast out deals because I think blasting out deals is one of the problems with like uh, the industry. There's just too much bad deals. I'm not saying your deals are bad, but there's just too much people that don't know what they're doing. So they send out some stuff and they don't really have their numbers right. They've the A or V is wrong. What I teach them is like develop five to 10 solid relationships with buyers. So you're not blasting out a deal to your buyers. You're just calling John and saying, hey, John, I got this deal. It meets your criteria. How much would you offer for it? And then if John's like, well, what's the asking price? You could say, hey, they're asking for 160. Obviously, I have to make a little on top. I brought you this deal that you didn't know about. And then he's going to be like, that's great. Now, if he's like, hey, I already got an email about this. Uh, what value are you providing to me? You could say, oh, well, I think I might be able to negotiate you a better deal because I know the guy helped me. You know, what would you offer? And I'll see if I can get it done for you. So there's a... That that's what I mean. Not like a blast because that's daisy chaining and daisy chaining I think is stupid. I'm talking about going and directly talking to the buyers you have relationships with and getting the deal done that way versus just, you know, sending it out and trying to get lucky. Yeah, no, no, that was a great answer. So that, that that's what I meant though. Like if somebody else blasted it out, your buyer sees it, but you answered the question perfectly. And I right. never thought about it until you just said it, but I guess it's really no different than if you and I are working and I'm like your your buyer's agent. And it's like, well, why couldn't I just gone to another agent? It's like, you could have, but we've been working together. Yeah. I've been showing you houses all week. Why wouldn't I get my 3% even, you know? So that makes a lot of sense. I never thought in that context. That's a great answer. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, you, you definitely, it's it, it's all relationship-based. You you definitely want to provide value to your buyer. You don't want to just be sending him something that he's, he's always looking at. You want to be able to be like, hey, I've talked to the wholesaler. I know they got it sent out for 160, but I know, you know, they're having some trouble moving it. I think they would take less, but let's, what, what could you do? Like it's, it's navigating those conversations and, uh, you know, I think that's efficient, effective versus just, uh, just trying to get lucky. Like I said. Yeah, no, I agree, man. So talking, talking relationships now, I like your, your whole painless flipping method of finding buyers first. So talk a little bit about some strategies right now for finding some buyers for your deals. Yeah. Uh, so I got one of the ones that we like the most that we teach is reaching out to title companies that are investor friendly and just being like, Hey, I'm new to the area. Um, you know, instead of getting directly into fix and flipping, which I don't feel comfortable with yet, cause I'm new, I'd like to bring some deals to your top buyers that you work with. And I know because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of these investors close with you, you know, who, who are the best ones are. Do you mind connecting me with any of them? So I could just ask them what they're buying and, you know, have that conversation with them. And most title companies are like, yeah, why not? Like if you get him more deals, I'm going to get more business. So that's how we connect. A lot of title companies, some of them are like, nah, we don't want to say that. Um, but you know, you have that conversation. So title companies, hard money lenders, um, using platforms where you can just see which agents have represented cash buyers within the last year that have had a transaction, calling them, skip tracing, doing open corporates to find the LLC and calling those buyers directly. A lot of different ways, but the key is just to find ones that are active and see, you know, call, say, Hey, I'm new. I mean, you gotta be honest. You can't be like, Hey, I have tons of experience. You can just be like, Hey, I'm a, I'm gung ho. I'm willing to work for you. What are you looking for? I'll go find it. I love that, man. So you reverse, reverse engineering. That was interesting. So you're saying like, you could go pull the cash buyers list, see what they bought, and then go look up who the agent wants attached to that deal and start that conversation. 
That's right. Yeah. Like, so if you use batch leads or privy, you can do a filter or you can fil see who just sold the, what agent sold a flip recently and then reach out to the agent, reach out to the, the, the buyer or sorry, the seller that, that flipped the house. That's awesome, man. So a, a couple of things I see that people run into when they do this first, I know a lot of the stuff you're doing is actually on market, which I think is, is actually really cool. How are you dealing with if there's an agent involved? Because a lot of the times the agents that don't know any better or they're worried about their fee, like they get confused and a confused mind says no. So how do you still wholesale if there's an agent involved in the deal? That's a great question. So for me, working with an agent, I, I negotiate a deal with them, right? Or I go to my buyer before even locking up the property and I say, hey, what would you pay? And a lot of people are like, well, why wouldn't they just go around you, right? Well, I'm not calling them about just a random listing I saw. I'm calling them about a, a conversation that I had where I know there's motivation. I know that it's a bet we can get you a good deal. And then it's either I lock it up and then assign it within the due diligence period. Um, or yeah, that's usually what I do. So I don't really tell an agent like upfront, hey, I'm a wholesaler. I, I'd like to get this property and um, assign it to someone. I usually just get under contract and say, hey, um, this one, something, another property came up, but I have someone's going to buy it. Same price, same everything. Nothing's changing. We're just, I'm assigning it to a different LLC. So that that's how I do it. Nice. And then, so backing that up now, the conversation started when we were, we switched gears. You're talking about getting paid. So I know there's a, a bunch of different ways you can get paid and put your fee in there, especially sometimes you hit restrictions with Fannie Mae or D, whatever it might be. So talk about some of the scenarios of ways you can get paid and maybe some of the obstacles that people might have to come up that you have to get a little bit creative to get your check in a wholesale deal. Yeah. So if you're wholesaling a deal that's on market and the sell, and you have it under contract and the agent like refuses to let you assign it, I haven't had that issue, but if that were to happen, you can always double close. And that means you use transactional funding to buy the whole house and own it. And then you sell it to your buyer. So you can do that. That's one way. Um, you can also for I did this on a, a multifamily deal that I sold. Um, I I I was dealing with the seller and I was like, hey, why don't you just talk to the seller and then um, you sign the paperwork so you're direct to them. I trust you. Let's sign a invoice and you pay. You know, we'll, you'll you'll uh, signature that you're going to pay me. We'll send this to the title company and then when it closes, the title company will cut me a check. So you can get it through invoices, so assignments, double closes, um, invoices. There's another strategy I've never done, but I know you can do it is like you can buy the property within an LLC and then assign the LLC or sell the LLC to the buyer. So that's another way to do it. I haven't done it, but those, those yeah. are three ways. Is that, is that answer the question of like how? Yeah, you yeah, that it? definitely does. I, I always have that LLC strategy in my back pocket, but I agree with you. I've, I've never needed to do it, but it, I haven't it, needed it's, it either. It's, it's a great way to just kind of have it there at the end of the day. I think it's a pretty cool thing, man. Yeah, so that's great. That, that's awesome stuff, man. So I love all that. Now, as far as your your business setup, I, I know you, you've done a little bit of inbound, you switched into outbound, you've had bigger teams, you've had smaller teams, and I like your idea of running lean. So talk a little bit about now about what your team looks like and how you run your business from the day to day. Yeah, so most of my business is like me looking at deals. One, one of my business partners, 
or I would say employee, we're not business partners, but we, we look at deals, we look at other wholesalers deals, and then we connect them to our buyers. It's as simple as that. Like it's not a big, big, uh, operation. Um, uh, we don't do, I wouldn't say we're doing like 10, 15 deals a month. It's like usually one to two a month, uh, some months zero, but some months like the, you know, comes up and accumulates to like two or three. So it just depends when the, the months and the closing dates, but it's, yeah, it's just a lean operation. Nothing, nothing crazy to it. It's just looking for deals, connecting buyers. That's it. Do, do you have VAs and stuff that are doing this stuff on, on like the Facebook groups and stuff? Or are you doing all that yourself? I have a VA that, that does it, but it's like admin stuff. Mostly it's not like really trying to negotiate or get the deals. It's, it's mainly me or nice, my, man. my, my buddy. Excellent. I love that. So enough of this boring real estate stuff. Let's talk. MMA and jujitsu, dude. Let's do I it, brother. I want to jump into that. So it was funny because, uh, you know, I I I wear my jujitsu shirt on purpose at least one day whenever I go to any kind of mastermind, and it always opens up a relationship. And I was literally walking out of one of the rooms, and like I did a double take, and I was like, I think that dude has a, like a um, an MMA shirt on. And I looked over, and I was like, Do you train? You were like, Yep. And then we just kind of connected it, man. So that's I think awesome. that, that that's awesome. I I always love that. I feel like anybody that comes from that world or this world, they transition very nicely into each other, which I think is really awesome. So talk a little bit about what you're doing, man, where are you training? What type of discipline are you training? How'd you fall into it? Great question. So I, I wore the same thing. I was like, I'm gonna wear this shirt and see who I can, uh, you know, eventually roll with. Cause I was like, you know, I, I would like to go roll while I'm there. That'd be fun. Um, so that's why I wore mine. So it worked out. <laughs> it did work out for us. So uh, I, I wrestled in high school, um, started freshman year and then, uh, wrestled a little bit in a club team in college in Idaho. So I, I, I liked wrestling. Right. And, um, after, after college didn't really wrestle that much. And I've just been working out here and there at like a local gym, but then I saw an MMA gym and I was like, dude, I've been lifting for a while. Progress is minimal. Cause I just like, it's hard to maintain, like uh, motivate myself to like get crazy with it. I just go in there and mess around. So then I was like, Hey, this probably would be smarter if I just go in where my life is on the line and I'll train harder. So I, I got into jujitsu like two years ago, a year and a half, I feel like. And uh, yeah, it's been great. I love it. It's it got some wrestling classes. I don't really do the Muay Thai or the boxing. I I've dabbled in it, but I'm really focused on the the jujitsu because I feel like I have a good base in it because of the wrestling. Um, yeah, and it's been amazing, bro. I love it. Every it's like a it's like ongoing, just like business. Like you're always getting better, always getting you know, always someone better you can learn from. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, man, it it keeps you humble. It keeps you motivated. Like there's a just a million different reasons I love it, but I think it's really cool because prior to you know, if I would have known growing up that wrestling had such a practical use into normal fighting and I realized how much discipline and how hard it was, I just didn't know anything about it. And I, I started as a boxer. Then I like I kind of backtracked into it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wrestling. But I was like, man, I'm never going to get as good as these guys like you that have been wrestling for years and years and years now. So I'm just going to always start on my back and try and get some good sweeps or find my way up. And that's kind of where I, I got into like the jujitsu thing. It was like the, my best shot is to either just drop to my back or to get good at boxing and hopefully knock them down because I'm not mm -hmm. stopping those takedowns. But I like that there's that world now that you guys can go to. Cause it used to be yeah, you graduated. Right. If you're not wrestling in college, what do you do? 
And jujitsu exactly. has opened up this whole thing, man. And the wrestlers by far, I think we were talking about it at the mastermind, but I didn't even realize how tough it was. And then I took Chris Weidman's wrestling class and even the warm up, I was like, this is how you guys just start the class. Like, I already want to go home, dude. Like wrestlers are some of the most mentally strong people that I have ever come across, man. So talk about how that wrestling mentality has transferred over to helping you succeed in business. You know, it, wrestling it is very difficult uh, or tough, exhausting, but it's just almost like, that's just how it is. That's life. You know, no, this is what it's about. Uh, so when I, things like this happen, like setbacks or things get tough in um, life or in business, I'm like, it's just how it is. You know, it's, things get tough. Um, that's, I think that's helped my mindset when I was on my mission people were saying no. And then door to door, it's just like, Hey, you know, not everything is peach, like easy rainbows. Right. And and I actually enjoy it that way because I know I'm progressing. I know if something isn't easy, I'm in the right, I'm doing the right thing. If it's easy, then I'm not, not learning. I'm not growing. So that that's what wrestling's taught me. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's just fun, dude. I, I look forward every day to waking up, whether it's life or jujitsu or whatever, to just getting better at everything I do. So that's, that's why I like it. I love that, man. And some of the, some of the best days, like whenever I'm struggling with stuff in business, if I, even the days that I'm like, man, I, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. I can't go to jujitsu. When I go and I train, I'm always like, man, like I can solve problems better now. I'm nicer. Like that edge is off. It, yeah. it always helps, man. There's always excuses not to go, but even the, the community, the circles, private money, reliable people, VAs, I tell everybody it's the new golf, like the relationships in business and real estate and stuff that I've made, even for people that want to come on this podcast, those jujitsu mats, like there's more knowledge and business and life experience than probably like a Harvard grad room at this point. It's amazing the, the the quality of people that I'm meeting that are like blue belts, whatever, black belts, you know, whatever, just starting. Like it's a great community. And um it's funny, dude. Like I went to the mastermind with you and then I went with my wife to like the Grand Canyon. So I didn't train for like two weeks. And I'll be real, like when I got back, I was like, uh, dude, I, I maybe I can skip another day. Like I because in my mind I was like nervous, I was anxious. I was like, I'm about to go in there and get beat up. And I didn't really want to, but then I was like, all right, I got to go. I pay for this. Like I got to step up. And <laughs> after I went, I was like, that was awesome. And I did great. And I crushed it, uh, with some people. So it's just funny. Like, doesn't matter how experienced you are. Like, I feel like that's why it's so good because it makes you uncomfortable. Like, I don't know about you, but every time I go, I get a little uncomfortable because I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to get, you know, choked out. And, uh, they talk about like, P the people just are um they like to be too comfortable and that's why like america that's why a lot of the society i feel like is going down just people are too comfortable with being comfortable and you need to be uncomfortable and that's how you progress and grow and get better so it, it's even something i struggle with i i, I want to just sit home and watch tv and chill but that's not a yeah. that's not good i could not agree with you more man and it's actually worse now because i look back now when i was going i was training all these different places as a blue belt and purple belt and it was like, well, you're not really supposed to be great. Like you think at that point, like I have to, but then when you go into a different gym now, which is like all the time now, I go into a new city and I walk in and I have a black belt. Everybody's like, I'm supposed to be so much better. And I'm like, man, my fat ass hasn't trained in like three months. Like I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get a workout in, but everybody's trying to kill you. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, oh, it's not I what I came here for today, man. But uh, yeah, you know, you, just, you show up, you know, well, it's, dude, it's funny. Cause, cause even the noob, you know, like the, the brand new dude will can, can really 
crush you because they just go a hundred percent not knowing just running just like running their their shoulder into your chest it's like calm down bro so i actually even like rolling with the more experienced people more because the noobs they just go a hundred percent and almost can hurt you yeah yeah no it's funny i just had this conversation because i took a class that was mostly white belts and we started in mount and then you know, you almost let the guy kind of like, well, I'll see what he does here and I'll just get myself in this position. I'll try and work my way out. And the dude got the side control and I went to move him and I couldn't. And I was like, why can't I get this? And then my, my other buddy remembered, he was like, dude, he's a white belt. And when they get to that point, they grab it and they are not letting go until that bell rings. It's just like, Hur! so they it was know, like, yeah, we didn't dude. really do much jujitsu that round, but it's true. Like it's still, and my buddy Mark told me this. He was like, at the end of the day, whatever the belt is, it's still a 200 pound grown man that's trying to say, I don't want to go in that direction. And if you think you're just going to push him and make him do that, it's not that easy to do regardless. Like if a strong guy has you and he's holding you, it's not the easiest thing in the world just to get him off. And that's where exactly. full circle, just like business, it's like when you're in a predicament, how do you stay calm and find a way out and not rely on just like the brute force because that's what's kind of getting you in trouble and stuff. Yes. So I like I like those lessons, man. What, what do you think is one of the biggest lessons you've taken from jujitsu that's helped you just to, not even necessarily business, but just in life that's kind of been one of those proverbs that you took on the mats that you now translated to off the mats? Um, One thing when I, because of wrestling, like you go like, you, I feel like you go like a hundred percent. You just try to go really, cause that's just, you get a takedown. You don't let go. You keep going, going, going. So when I got into jujitsu, I was just running, ramming into people, like going hard. right? <laughs> and, and now it's like, I don't really break that much of a sweat. Sometimes I'm just like rolling, I'm flowing. So it's, and that's kind of how I got with wrestling too. Like I would flow and then it would be like a short burst of energy. And so I eventually got to that way in jujitsu where it wasn't just balls to the wall. And I've kind of learned that as you get better at stuff, you take it a little bit slower. You uh, kind of are more observant versus just trying to gr push your put your head down and just grind forward. So th that's what I've kind of learned. Be like water, sir. Right? The old uh, that old proverb. That's it. Yeah. Nice man. Like nice. Water. Dude. Cool. Well, I I bring my not usually my gi. I bought it last time because of Sean Williams, but usually I bring my no gi stuff anywhere, man. So. Anytime you are around that I'm around, you want to roll, man, I would love to get some mad. It just always makes my day better just to get on there and work on some stuff and clear your head. So I love that. And I welcome that next time, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. I So my therapist, because I have a therapist, I think it's good to like talk, talk out what's on your mind. He's like, he thinks, um, he was telling me that he has a, like someone that was struggling really hard, like a teenager, really bad uh, with like life and wanting to do, you know, harm himself. And then he told him to get into jujitsu because I was telling him I got into jujitsu. And this kid just like went from having no confidence in himself to like loving jujitsu because, you know, it taught him how it's, not, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to get beat up because you can improve and grow. So, uh, yeah, man, I love it. I think it's a great thing. I think more people should get into MMA uh, because they know that, you know, even if you get beat up, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it's, it's amazing. The stories I have of just personal success with emotions, stress, depression, financial hardships, relationships, like the people who stick it out, they, they get a sense of fulfillment and a sense of confidence. Like I've never seen before. And the sense of community around it, I think it is, is almost bar none. That's another reason I really like what Matt Andrews put together, because I feel like that, is really a an arena where everybody in there celebrates each other's wins and is just happy for each other. And nice. I feel like that's a little bit of what you get at like a, most jiu-jitsu gyms nowadays. There's so many out there. I can't vouch for all of them. But you get people who 
my brother said it too. He's like, somebody gets a promotion. You're not like, oh, screw that guy. I should have gotten that promotion. You're like, homeboy worked his ass off. He's here every day. He tapped me out last Thursday. He deserves that belt. You know, and he worked yeah. for it. So you're, you're happy for them, you know? Yeah, it's the abundance mentality. You want everyone to grow yes. versus a scarcity. You know, you're like, there's not enough money. There's not enough belts or whatever out there. So that's why I enjoy you know, meeting you, like we, we've never met until then. And it's like, Hey, we're, we're, we already kind of know about each other's journeys. We know what we've been through. We know what it feels like to get beat up and lose and win. So, you know, we want each other to win. That's, that's yeah. my goal for you and everybody. I love that, man. And speaking of winning, the whole point here is whether it's on the mats or off the mats, you find good people around you so you can limit the damage and have some painless victories. So talk about what you're doing with painless flipping and your whole, your whole community that you're building and all the stuff that you have going on. Yeah, my main goal is to nothing can be absolutely painless, right? You got to go through pain to learn. But I say, say, hey, my goal is to help people make the journey as quick as possible, right? To make it as painless as possible, even though you're going to have to go through some, right? So when I talk about painless flipping, my goal is to bring people in, teach them exactly how to build those relationships with those buyers first, then go find those deals. And then as you level up, it's time to turn on the marketing uh, as you go with the ad spend direct to seller, but start off with the right foundation build yourself on a firm foundation and then you know go out and and grow like the, that's that's what i do that's what i teach so if you're interested anybody that's will listen to this hit me up i'm here to help awesome and what are the best ways to find with you to connect with you um you can go to investorthrive.com that's my website investorthrive.com or we have a free facebook group it's called painless flipping uh pain is like my last name p-a-y-n-e painless flipping and a youtube channel you just type in my name, Nathan Payne. We got YouTube videos for days, bro. I'll, I'll, I'll this. <laughs> That's awesome. And obviously anybody listening, I'll put all those links in the show notes. And I think you put like a new video up every single day on the YouTube stuff, man. So there's tons of stuff on there. Oh, Excellent day. content. I love what you're doing. Your business partner is awesome too. I had some talks with him. So yeah. everything's everything you guys are doing are awesome, man. So anybody who listened that wants to get involved or connect, jump on the show notes, click on those. And I know you got some stuff you got to do, man, but obviously you are somebody that on the mats, off the mats in life and business, you bring your A-game to everything you do. This interview has been no different. It flew by. You definitely brought your A-game to this interview today. Any final thoughts before I let you go, sir? No, I would just say for anyone listening to this, whether you're experienced or not in real estate, is just, you know, always look for to progress every day. Like if you, uh, you know, if you feel like you're not winning every day, you you really are. You just have to switch your mindset. Like every day you're you're either there's something you should be grateful for, there's something you learned. So that's something that I've been able to do recently is like wake up and be like, all right, it's time to tackle another day. It's time to win another day. Uh, and then, then you get excited for every day. You go to bed and you're like, hmm, okay, let's go. And even if th things are hard, if, even if you're in debt, even if a flip's not going good, you can get closer to getting out of that debt. You can get closer to, you know, building that business you want. So just look at every day. Where's the win? How can I win? And be positive about it. Wise words. So it was an honor having you on today. I really enjoy getting to meet you. And I look forward to hanging out again and getting some mad time in, sir. If there's any time you come to New York, Chicago, hit me up, man. Uh, pizza and jujitsu won me, sir. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm always down for pizza and some jujitsu. Nice, man. Have a great day. Nathan Payne, ladies and gentlemen, A-Game Podcast. Have an outstanding day, sir.